All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Team Capsules, NFC East. Uh, we completed the AFC last week, uh, and we have started the NFC journey. Last Yesterday, we did the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, we are on to the New York Football Giants. And, uh, oof. Wiz, uh, you were dead on when it came to Daniel Jones. Uh, I had a lot of promise in the player last year coming off of his rookie season. Uh, If you looked at his yards per start as a rookie, he had some monster, monster games. But this is a player that regressed considerably uh, in year two. And, uh, you know, my antenna is up. I'm... I'm very concerned about the way the the Giants want to play football, the way the Joe Judge offense wants to run. And Daniel Jones, to me, is a player that has a tremendous amount to prove. He had a statistically much, much worse season last year. Uh, And you were bang on in terms of uh, Daniel Jones. So uh, kudos to you on that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's... I I think the Giant fans and the organization, I mean, you know, I really haven't talk to you much about the expectations for this year, but I, I, you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but to me, you know, I'm not a Giants fan, so I don't have a horse in the race, but to, to me it appears like the rubber is meeting the road this year as far as the trajectory of Daniel Jones and the organization. Okay, so the rookie year, we could throw, you know, every rookie takes his bumps and bruises, you throw him in there. Last year, Saquon Barkley misses most of the year, but this is now his third year. Um, you look like you're going to have a healthy Saquon Barkley for most of the year, <clears throat> hopefully all of the year. I'm not sure, you know, if he's going to start the season healthy or not, but it looks like he'll be playing a majority of football this year. You pay a ton of money to bring in Kelly and Kenny, Dol- Kenny Galladay. You have Slayton, you have Shepard, you have Evans. Uh, you bring in Booker. That's kind of a security blanket um, in-, in case Barkley misses some time. So, I don't like what I see from Daniel Jones. It looks like he's the bad version of Carson Wentz with his decision-making, lack of ball security, lack of understanding, pocket pressure, um, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, um, a bunch of lost fumbles. Um, I I just feel like – and and, and he he could have a lot more. I mean, some of them he luckily got back. I think there were like 11 fumbles and and six were lost. Uh, it's just way too much, and he hasn't, you know, I, I don't think he's done um, anything close to what the expectations were. So, first of all, do you, do you kind of agree that as a third-year player, um, that kind of this is going to be a proving, you know, a proving year for Daniel Jones, or where they're going to say, okay, we have our guy, or next year we're going to have to look for another guy at the position? Uh, do you think, like, this is kind of a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. Oh, no, it, it, it's a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. And with Daniel Jones goes Dave Gettleman. I think they, they go hand-in-hand. Hand. I think if you don't see the proper progression at, at the quarterback position this year, you'll see a new quarterback next year. Uh, you, or you're definitely not going to see options picked up. And you're going to see a new GM for the, for the New York Giants. And that's, that's it, bottom line. And you mentioned statistically what he did. Uh, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions for a guy that started 14 games. Those numbers are terrible. He had zero. 300 yard games uh if he did anything well last year uh he does run the football well i think in his first two years in the nfl he's the number five rusher uh in in terms of quarterbacks in the nfl in terms of yards per game uh he does excite with that but you know again with that comes ball security issues like you said so uh i just think 
look, this is not a great offensive line. They have some young pieces uh, that they've put together here for the last couple of years. They drafted Andrew Thomas a couple of years ago, Will Hernandez, Matt, Matt Pert. So these are guys that they're expecting. I don't think Nate Solder is going to be part of the equation by the time the season starts, but he's still on this roster for the time being. Uh, but it's an offensive line that does need some help, and it's been a weak spot in the Giants football team for a number of years now. So, And Daniel Jones is a, is a, is a victim of that as well, and is, but especially throwing a younger quarterback into that it's a very difficult situation and it's not like he doesn't have offensive talent around him he does um, you mentioned Barkley hopefully he gets back on his feet and it becomes a formidable uh, force in terms of running the football again in the NFL those injuries uh, you know in the last couple of seasons have definitely hurt Saquon Barkley but nonetheless Daniel Jones has a tremendous amount to prove we cannot have that type of production here and you know a zero 300 yard games is glaring and I think that's going to impact a lot of uh, draft positions as a result of that so distinct improvement needs to be made at quarterback or Daniel Jones will not find himself with a quarterback job in the NFL come come next year yes let me ask you this question he's obviously not a quarterback one he's not going to be drafted in all formats he's certainly in that quarterback two range I guess the question when it comes to people drafting where you where you're going to draft two quarterbacks whether it's mandatory or not do you feel like Daniel Jones is an interesting guy to have in case that light switch goes on in case it all starts clicking for him or you would rather have the kind of steadier guy like Baker Mayfield, who's going to have the occasional big game, Kirk Cousins, you know, a pl- players like that. You know, just in terms of overall draft status, he's not going to be a quarterback one. I think everyone could agree on that. But do you find him somewhat appealing as quarterback two in case that light switch goes on? Or are you of the opinion where? I'm just going to go with a steadier guy. Well, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what's the main reason why he regressed so much from a production standpoint in the passing game? Because as a rookie, he had 24 touchdowns. Now, granted, different head coach, different offensive coordinator. Jason Garrett is the coordinator here. But Jason Garrett built a very talented offense with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not comparing the, the, the talent of the two players, that is Prescott and Jones. But those 24 touchdowns in his rookie year, you, you can't look at it and say that wasn't something that he was building on something. But, you know, you have a complete a, a complete reversal in terms of what you the direction that you would expect the player to have taken. So I, I guess, yeah, if we have the type of player that can get, get back to that level of production. And I, I guess what I what I'd throw back at you, do you think the system that the Giants are running uh, i.e. The Joe, the Joe Judge offense maybe centered around the defense a little bit more. Do you think that's kind of, do you think that was an inhibiting part of what happened here? Or do you think Jason Garrett saw what he had here and didn't want to take the chances that maybe they took in, in 2019? I think it's some of all of the above. Uh, I, I thought, you know, the, the Giants, even though Gorman played well, you know, once they lost Barkley, teams weren't really respecting the run against the Giants, and they were really coming after them with the pass rush. And uh, he just has not improved with his understanding of pocket pressure, feeling the pressure, ball security. And I think that was uh, a big hindrance, or one of the main contributors to decline. I really feel he is going to need a, a, a Saquon Barkley to stay on the field and really help him out and be able to just drop the ball off to him and gain seven, eight yards in those little pass plays or have the occasional play where he takes it to 70, 80 yards for a touchdown. Not having that 
all due respect to Wayne Gorman, he did play well, but he's just not that type of player. So I think it's a combination of things. Um, you know, I, there are things that he needs to improve on that I just I'm not sure he's going to be able to improve. We'll we'll have to wait and see. And um, talking about Barkley, um, this is a guy that you know is is in the years he's been in the league, he was immediately drafted as a top five player. At the running back position, and this year, once again, he's right in that mix somewhere between three and four or six and seven, somewhere in that group um, of, of, you know, running back one. And, you know, he certainly has the talent and all of that. You know, the question, you know, with running back with the Giants is, do you take a player that you feel, you know, that could be in a better offense? Uh, an Austin Eckler, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, Aaron Jones, and Nick Chubb, or, you know, do you want the chance of that upside of Barkley? And then I guess the other part of that question is, with the way and the news coming around that they're going to kind of like slowly bring him along, um, how much more of a factor does Devontae Booker become in fantasy football draft. So I'll give you a couple of things to talk about at uh, with both of those players. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you look at what Barkley did as a rookie, which was caught 91 footballs, right? Like, I don't think we're going to see that again, okay? So that's part, part of that production. We took it to another level. I don't see that happening again. Um, so... I, I do have distinct concerns around Barkley, especially the way they've spoken about him bringing him on. I think Barkley as a player, you know, at times you watch him run and, you know, his big playability is there. Uh, I think he's kind of lacked more power in, in, in terms of his production, like kind of in the trenches, uh, especially around the goal line. It's not been as effective as you think. It's a He's a big guy, but he actually likes to bounce the ball outside a lot. Um, and let, let's see how he comes back from the injury as a result of that. You know, you mentioned Devontae Booker. Uh, Devontae Booker looked like the better running back a lot of times last year with the Raiders, he, and his production certainly said that in terms of yards per carry. Uh, and Devontae Booker can also catch the football. So I, I would say this, if something were to happen to Barkley this year, and now two years in a row, fantasy owners have been burned by Barkley. So I think Barkley will, as a result of that, take a step back in fantasy drafts, right? People remember what's happened to them and players that have burned them right and as a result of that this is two years running where Barkley has been a disappointment and like I said I see no way shape or form that Barkley even comes close to the production that we saw in his rookie year again uh, and I feel very firm about that particularly on the catch side so but I do think Devontae Booker could be one of the more unheralded backup running backs uh, and the Giants really still ran the ball very effectively you know you mentioned Goldman he was a capable backup last year so if something were to happen to Barkley certainly he'd be one of the I think probably the, one of the cheaper options in terms of a handcuff out there, people need to think about that a little bit. But, yeah, I think there's some risk with Barkley just in general. I think more than anything, just because it sounds like the Giants are going to take him along a little bit more slowly than maybe traditionally we see uh, by other organizations. Yeah, I think your point about Barkley is a good one. Um, he, I feel when I watch him play, he tries to – hit a home run on too many players. There's just a lot of times where you're just better off taking a two-yard gain, um, putting your team in second and eight. And, yeah, is he capable of making those spectacular plays? Yes, but too many times those plays that should have been one or two-yard gains ended up in a three- or four-yard loss, and it was putting the Giants in bad situations. I, I think Saquon Barkley really needs to channel 
his inner Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry and learn to like just take what the defense gives you sometimes and bounce it on occasion, but don't make every play, you know, an attempt to, to take it to the, you know, to the distance. And uh, if he does that, he'll be more successful. If not, you know, there'll be a lot of ups and downs with the players, but I guess, you know, before we move on to wide receivers, as far as Barkley goes, you know, are you going with a safer bet? Like if you're picking in that fourth or fifth spot, are you more comfortable with a Cook, a Kamara, Henry, an Elliott, a Taylor, Aaron Jones, a player like that? Or, you know, do you feel it's worth it for a guy like Barkley who could be a spectacular player? I'm going to take, yeah, and I'm a giant fan. I'm, I'm going to take the road where I'm going to, I'm going to probably go with one of those other players. I'm drafting in, in the fourth spot. I'm drafting, you know, depending on where Henry Cook, uh, those players kind of fall. I, I'm taking them before I'm taking Saquon. Fair enough. And uh, talk about the Giants wide receivers. You and I were so high on Kenny Galladay. I had a lot of equity in that player last year. You predicted that he would be the number one overall fantasy football wide receiver. Um, he just couldn't stay on the field. Uh, when we were doing our podcast in-season content last year, I told you I felt that Kenny Galladay had made a business decision, that he did not have any guaranteed money with the Lions and was not going to risk a big upcoming contract. And I think that kind of proved to be right. He ended up getting, I believe, $72 million uh, from the Giants. So there's a lot of people who also had Kenny Galladay in their top three or five at the position and now have him way back, way back, like even outside the top 20, outside maybe even the top 25. Bailey is a wide receiver too. So we'll start off with Galladay. Um, do you think that's too far back or you understand it and you kind of agree with where he's being ranked this year? Uh, from the line far uh, in the movie Fargo, uh, if you remember when uh, uh, Steve Buscemi's character is talking to uh, Jerry Lundegaard and he says to him, Jerry, situations have changed. Uh, that's what we have here. The situation has changed. It's not the same offense. It's not the same quarterback. Uh, it's not, it's not anything the same. And I, I don't have any issues with Kenny Galladay, the player. Uh, I think it's a system that he's in the players that are around him. And that includes the running back, by the way, and the focal point will not be the same here. So Kenny Galladay, I probably believe is being drafted the way he's being ranked at the moment, uh, is proper and correct at this point in time. I don't, I don't feel like Daniel Jones, given what we saw last year, uh, gives you that opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to take a flyer in this play. Now, you may see if you're in the New York metropolitan area, there's a tendency where players favor New York players, or if I guess in any part of the country that you're in, there tends to be a, a tendency to lean towards the local guys. And I think that might happen in drafts here, but I don't see the type of production. And I love the player, but I don't see the production in this offense, given the scheme that the Giants run and the other players that are around him that tell me that Galladay should be ranked differently than he is coming into this season? I think that's fair. The, the play that I'm really confused about where he's being ranked is Darius Slayton is not even being ranked. I mean, he is not only not ranked as a fantasy football starter where he'd be top 35 at the wide receiver position. He's not even being ranked in a flex spot. He, he's not even being ranked in the top 
50 at wide receiver. And let me ask you this question because I, I just have a, you know, maybe that now he's just a, one of these guys that is better suited to be wide receiver two on a team. He's not going to get the opposing number one cornerback against him. And I'm thinking, while rightfully so for Galladay with, you know, going from Stafford to Daniel Jones and the system and all of that, you know, I can understand that. I have a sneaky suspicion that Darius Slayton is a wide receiver that everybody is sleeping on. But considering that he's not going to be going up against the other team's number one corner, I think there could be um, – some some people that are very surprised uh, where Darius Slayton kind of ends up the year, and I think he can improve on where a lot of people have him ranked as a number two. I know you liked the player going into last year. Um, what's your view on Slayton? Well, Slayton is definitely so. There's a couple of things going on here. So Slayton's definitely the down the field guy on this team. Uh, you know, I think Galladay's a different type of player. You and I can probably both agree with that. Um, Eight touchdowns as a rookie for Slayton. Uh, a lot of those touchdowns are over 20 yards. Last year, only three. His yardage production was exactly the same, 750 yards receiving. And I think he had 48 catches as a rookie, and he had 50 last year. So not a lot of changes there. Um, you know, a couple of things have happened. The Giants took a chance on John Ross. And, you know, John Ross is a guy that was drafted in the top 10. Uh, a lot of injuries as a Cincinnati Bengal uh, Definitely a down-the-field guy, but much more diminutive in stature. So I'm not sure that's going to take away from him. The Giants also drafted Kadarius Toney. Uh, Sterling Shepard is still on this roster, but I think still a concussion risk, uh, an injury risk. He seems to always have some kind of nagging injury, even though he's a pretty good football player. Uh, I agree with you that Slayton's not even being talked about, whereas last year there was a lot of discussion off of his rookie year that Slayton could kind of build upon that, especially because there was some buzz of positiveness around Daniel Jones but we just didn't come to see it to fruition last year. So, yeah, it's a player that's not even being discussed in any way, shape, or form, and that was not the case last year. So, yeah, maybe he could surprise us. I guess a lot of it is going to be depending dependent upon where the other guys in this offense, how they evolve in the offense. Does Tony actually make a presence as a rookie? Uh, does Shepard stay on the field? And does John Ross actually live up to his draft expectations that he had five years ago? I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I worry, like I said, about the health of Sterling Shepard. So I do agree with you that as a number two guy, I think where he's not seeing the opposing team's number one coverage, that's a big advantage. And Daniel Jones seems to like to throw him the ball, and not afraid to throw him the ball in difficult situations. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, moving over, I guess, to the tight end position. Um, you know, Evan Ingram started his career as rookie in 2017, and he had a terrific rookie year, 64 catches, 722 yards, uh, six touchdowns. It's like a monster season for a rookie tight end. And it looked like this guy was going to be on the trajectory to be one of these tight ends that are very rare to see where he has that speed of a wide receiver and he's able to catch the ball in the middle of the field and, and, and just that was going to you know keep improving. But it looks more like he's going to be the next Eric Ebron to me. Um, I, I mean, I keep singing the same song about the player, but I have to because I still see him ranked in a lot of areas is right on the cusp of being a tight end one. Now, he did have 60-plus catches, 650 yards. That's okay. One touchdown, 
That's ridiculous that they don't look for him in the red zone and he's not more effective in the red zone. Now enter Kyle Rudolph in the picture, who's going to you know, probably be a bigger red zone target than, than Ingram. I mean, I know a lot of people like the appeal of the player in terms of his speed and all of that, but he will not be on any of my fantasy football teams this year. Uh, so let's hear your take. Evan Ingram, 2021 season. Yeah, no, he, he won't be on any of my teams either. I think you make all great points. Uh, I think the presence of Rudolph is one of the things that really nags at me. You look at a player that was the number five tight end as a rookie. He's seen distinct uh, regression from that uh, in terms of fantasy production. Last year was the number 19 in terms of fantasy production despite the yards. And he was the most targeted player in this giant offense last year with 109 targets. But one touchdown, and then you add, you, you mentioned uh, Rudolph in the red zone. You throw Galladay in the red zone as well. Why would you be throwing it to an Evan Ingram when you have that sort of weaponry around you? And I do think like he's got an eye on Slayton. So no thank you, Evan Ingram. Uh, I think this will be his last year probably as a giant tight end as well uh, because he'll probably move on after this contract. Uh, there has been some discussion that he's been very dominating in the practices to start, but I'm not buying it. Uh, I'm 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 a buyer beware candidate when it comes to uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to let another player in, in fantasy take that chance. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I understand the appeal. Um, you look at him and you think, wow, you know, this guy can has a chance to be a terrific tight end in the league, but it just doesn't pan out. Uh, the red zone targets, the fact that. 2018 and 2019, he couldn't stay on the field. Um, 109 ta- targets for a tight end to catch only 63. That's not too good. That's pretty. That's a, a pretty good, a pretty poor target to reception to target ratio. So I'm going to take a, a hard pass on <clears throat> Evan Ingram this year. And uh, is there anything about the special teams for the kicking or giant and giant uh, and kicker and defense you want to talk about? Yeah, so so it's interesting. The Giants kicker was Graham Gano, formerly of Carolina, uh, and now now the Giants kicker. Uh, very, very uh, effective last year. He only missed three kicks. He missed he missed two he missed two extra points and he missed uh, only one field goal. So extremely efficient in terms of uh, accuracy uh, success. Uh, and actually the Giants led the NFL. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but probably a bad thing, but they led the NFL in the percentage of points scored on field goals they were number one in the nfl uh look if this giant offense takes another step up in terms of points per game uh and having a guy like gano who's very efficient i think that's a good match right and i think graham gano will not be drafted in any leagues but you have to look at the accuracy he was five for six from over 50 yards out uh so i i i kind of like graham gano as an under underdog underrated kicker just in terms of how well he produced because in the past he's been a good producer uh, when he was with Carolina as far as the defense goes you know Patrick Graham was a defense coordinator brought here uh, by Joe Judge and the Giants are going to be a better team on defense Uh, they don't play in the greatest division in in the world in terms of offenses uh, but I think their offenses that have improved I think Washington will be better Uh, this year Dallas will be better than they were the Sons Dak Prescott so the Giants probably got a benefit from that last year in the six games that they played within the division. Uh, I don't think they get that same benefit this year. So while the Giants were an appeal, I think they were, Giants were streamed a lot last year. Uh, and I think I would keep them more on a streaming basis than anything else in terms of a defense. Yeah, I agree with that. And Gano was like 31 for 32, <clears throat> 9 for 9 from 40 to 49 and 5 for 6 
from 50 plus if you put like your hand over the name you you could say that those are justin tucker type numbers i mean sometimes you gotta you know forget about the name and just look at the stats and uh i think there's some good points are made and i i can see why a lot of people uh would draft graham gano as um you know a top 12 kicker this year and uh as far as the defense goes yeah i think you know the giants could be a streaming matchup and depending who they play but as far as counting on them week in, week, in, week out, uh, I think uh, I'm going to take a pass on that. Yeah, I do. I do agree with you, Wiz. Okay, so Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're driving down the turnpike next. Philadelphia Eagles are up. We're going through each and every team in the NFL. Team Capsules, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Make sure you continue to listen as we get closer to the NFL season. Wiz, see you in a little bit. Got it.